What's good, everybody? It's your man, Big Dom, host of the True Players Podcast. Hitting you with the upfront, blatantly honest, in-your-face, no-punches-held opinions on sports, current events, relationships, and many other topics along the way. Check out this next episode of my podcast. You can never be too cheated up for love. Then I won't stop till both these squirrels get their nuts Hey, huh, you know it's good when we freak in King size squeaking after I ease in If you was with me, baby, 24-7 Best believe that every single day would be a sweet day huh, Curry sweeter than a cheesecake If you want beef, prophecy would be a beefcake I make love to you till you fall asleep Leave you with sweet dreams between the sheets What was the night before that night? I was born on that day, but not last night Once upon a time, I had my cash right What's good, everybody? It's your man, Big Dom, coming live now at you with another True Players Podcast episode. And I got a special guest with me. If you guys saw the part one of me recapping the Knicks season ending with in Miami, I had to bring my guy, Matthew, onto the podcast. It's from Jacobus Sport, Sports um, Sports Podcast, Knicks Believe Podcast. He always has a blog on Facebook that he does um, weekly on the New York Knicks. I got to invite my man back because so we got a lot to talk about. In only an hour span. So, Matthew, introduce yourself to the people. What's up, so Glad to be here. Glad to be back on True Players after some time away. Have not been back since a very successful next season, so I'm glad to be here talking about good shit because mm-hmm. most of the time when I talk about Knicks, it has not been about good shit, so that feels very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, you can check out Jack of the Sports Show um, on Twitter. Just Jack of the Sports Show on Google. You'll find it. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. All the joints. Um, Nick Believe, Nick's Pod, B-L-E-A-V. And I write about uh, the Knicks at postingandtoasting.com and thestrict.land. Got you. Got you. Definitely. I want to give a big shout out to my fellow Haitians today. Haitian Flag Day. Don't fishy today, baby. You know. There you go. There you go. I, I gotta give my flag day. Exactly, exactly. I give my fellow Zoes a, 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 a good, a good uh, Haitian flag day episode with my guy Matthew here. You know, yeah. representing Puerto Rico. You know, mm-hmm. but we, but we know what it is. We all Taínos up in here, so you know it's all the same. So Caribbean love, <laughs> much, much Caribbean love. Definitely, definitely. So definitely, Matt. I'm gonna go over this. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this. I did an episode previously back on Sunday about the Knicks losing to the Miami Law, Miami um, Heat. Um, but looking back, I spoke out of emotion. Now I'm, now I'm, I got you on the line. I'm going to speak about logic a little bit more logically. Um, the reason I, that brought up to me that this Miami Heat team is reminding me too much of the 1999 Nick team, a Nick, a team that was has too much child to be the eighth seed, but fumbled through the regular season, find themselves in the eighth seed, and now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals right now, already up 1-0 against the Celtics. Um. It made me feel, made me think logical. But be, me being a selfish Knicks fan, I wanted to see the Knicks in the East Conference Finals because I felt we could have matched up with Boston Celtics too. Mm-hmm. So, what's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, they played Boston very well this year. Um, matched up quite nicely with them. Everybody was excited. The, the Knicks Celtic Conference Finals, you haven't had that since, I think, 74. Mm-hmm. Um, never in our lifetimes. You know, Knicks Celtics, the hottest it's been, you know, you got to go Bernard, Larry King, and that's mostly it. So it's been a while. And I, I mean, I, you know, Walt Frazier still makes a point to like never wear green whenever he covers the Celtic game. Like he still hates the Celtics that much. So that would have been a nice matchup. I think the Heat matchup, and you're right, it does remind you a lot of 99 and that the, that was a Nick team that was expected to be, you know, a contender. They had added Spreewell. They had added Marcus Camby. Um, Alan Houston and LJ had been there a couple of years Ewing was now fully returned from the wrist injury. Like there was a lot of expectation for that team, and they bombed in the regular season. That was that very abbreviated regular season. It was fifty games because of the the lockout. I remember Patrick Ewing was, was a leading man, maybe the leading man for the players' union. So he was not spending his days practicing and staying in shape. Ewing was doing all of the negotiating. He was admittedly behind. So that team was behind from the start. Very, very late in the season, it still looked like they may not make the playoffs. Like they were hurting, mm-hmm. and it was it was literally like in the last four days of that season, it became apparent that okay, they're going to make it, and they're going to make it as the eighth seed, and that's going to put them against Miami, and we know they can play Miami. Like it just broke perfectly. I think this team, the Miami, I think it broke for them well, and also I think it it hurt them in one sense. I think it was good for the Knicks to get Miami, obviously, because Miami was uh, an opponent that they had a reasonable chance against. And in that series, you know how it is. Playoffs can go different ways. The Heat could have won five of those games, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe all six. The Knicks could have won four very easily. Um, But I think, like you, you talked at the start about, like coming out of your emotions, to be playing the Heat and to have the Knicks in the second round and to have this team that all season has, like, every time they push up and you think, like, maybe that's the limit. It's not. They keep going. They keep going. And, like, in the back of your mind, we all have a dream of a season where a team rides that all the way to the top. It doesn't happen a lot. It really doesn't happen a lot. But, like, we all dream of that. You know, 86 Mets were like that. Like, every time you push, like, this is it. Like, you can't push back from this. They were yeah. So the Knicks kept doing that. And then they get Miami, and your brain is like, okay, first of all, we can beat Miami. We mm-hmm. beat three times in the regular season. Right. If we beat Miami, you know, and beat is banged up if we get Philly, and even if we get Boston, like, we know we can play Boston. And now, like, even – let me take a look at the West. Is Denver a superpower? No. Are the Lakers a super – I mean, they're tough, but, like, are they – your head starts racing. The reality yeah. is – by the heat upsetting the Bucks, I mm-hmm. think it gave the Knicks the benefit of, okay, you get to see at a higher level of competition what you have and what you need. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, maybe don't get so ex- – don't think you're ahead of yourself because if the Bucks had won, the Bucks are the worst matchup in the league for the Knicks. The Knicks yeah. would have lost that series in no more than five games. Mm-hmm. And if they had, the vibe would be very different coming into the offseason because you would have known from the start, boy, this is a long shot. And the Bucks mm-hmm. just grind you down and grind you down. And then you go into the offseason being like, okay, we had a good year, but you don't feel that close. Mm-hmm. You got to remember next year, the Bucks are still, Bucks are still going to be there. 
The Celtics are still going to be there. Maybe the Sixers are. I don't know. We'll see what happens with them. Mm-hmm. The Heat are still going to be there. Mm-hmm. Orlando's adding two lottery picks. Like just saying, East is going to. There's going to be improvement throughout mm-hmm. the East. Maybe I think on some level it was good for the Knicks. Like you got to see what you need, but I also think it, it's good to keep in mind. Like Miami was probably like the right level for the Knicks. You know, mm-hmm. that's a good team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're annoying as hell to watch beat your team, but they're a good team. Yes, they are. Um, the thing, too, um, you can't forget about the Brooklyn Nets. I, I believe the Brooklyn Nets are one big-time power forward away from being a top-four team in the East. You got Spencer Dinwiddie. You got um, Cam Johnson. You got Bridges there from, from Phoenix. They got they got some talent there. They yeah, got some talent there. Cam Johnson is restricted if they re-sign him. Nick Claxton really came along very nicely mm-hmm. um, on both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, he has skills on both. Yeah, the Nets are right there. Like the East is going to be tough. Um, but the Knicks have, you know, the Knicks have established like they're not certainly not afraid of anybody. No. Um, but now we'll just see. Let's see where it goes now. Now you got to get Brunson um, shooters around him. Um, I think I I believe R.J. Barrett. The way he was getting ridiculed and vilified the first two games against Cleveland, and he rose. He rose and was actually an impactful player in the first two series. The only game he didn't show up was the winning game six, in which mm-hmm. I believe part of it was, was the foul trouble he had in the first quarter. Absolutely. that The whole game turned when he had to leave with his foul. Everything turned at that moment. They were... They were already up like 10, and they were ready to blow them out of the building. They could not keep RJ off the line. Mm-hmm. And then just like that, that was it. That's it. That's it. So now let's go over why they lost the series, because I think a lot of it has to do with coaching. Before you do that, I want to just point out something. With R- it's just something RJ-related. Mm-hmm. As a sign, this is one reason why these kinds of years are so important, even if you don't get as far as you want to get. Mm-hmm. If you had asked... A hundred Nick fans, let's say a month ago, mm-hmm. you can go back in time. Would you rather have Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett? Most people, for most of the past four years, the answer is very easily Zion. Zion. I don't know now with all the injuries. So, okay. After Zion came Ja. Mm hmm. I think in a skill sense, everybody would take Cha over RJ. Absolutely. But in a in a in a real world, taking everything into account, including current scandals and NBA attention and shit, like just the reality of the world, mm-hmm. there are reasons you could say RJ eats, sleeps, and drinks basketball. Mm-hmm. Like I want that. There's there's a value to that. Cha's a better player. Mm-hmm. Not taking anything from Cha and. I could give you an hour on where I think the jaw coverage has been bullshit. But mm-hmm. just in terms of me putting a team together, a month ago, everyone picks jaw. Now, mm-hmm. okay, now, right after Barrett in that draft, Darius Garland. A month ago, anybody pretty much would say Darius Garland. He's already been an all-star. Mm-hmm. You know, he's put up 20 a game in a season. He can shoot. Like, he's a really good point guard. But during the playoffs, like, and RJ matched up 
directly against Garland quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And RJ, as that series went on, RJ got stronger. Mm-hmm. Garland was kind of on and off. And then you mm-hmm. saw it wasn't just he's picking on the Cavs because he gets the heat. He's going up against all of these great defenders. RJ keeps coming. Mm-hmm. I just think it's amazing. You could make the argument today that a lot of people would take RJ first out of that group of four. Mm-hmm. At least some people would, and that would not have at all been the case as recently as a month ago. Mm-hmm. That's what a good playoffs will do for you. That's right. See, what people don't realize is you become a star in the playoffs, and that's where Julius Randle's mentality that's why he's a great regular season player, but he's not, he's just a good player. He's not a superstar player. His teammate, both his teammates, Brunson and Barrett, showed their true colors in the playoffs. And Brunson been doing it all year. Brunson did Brunson did do it all year. Um, mm-hmm. I will point out that Brunson had his own kind of nagging injuries that he was working yes. through, but. Mm-hmm. Randall came back. So first, Randall sprains his ankle the first time. Mm-hmm. He came back early. They didn't clear him. They weren't like, okay, he's gone through everything. He's ready to go. Randall had not even been cleared yet for physical contact in practice, mm-hmm. and they activated him. So he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. They brought him back. If you remember game one of that series, he had like 16 in the first half. He couldn't miss. Clyde was like, Clyde couldn't believe it. He kept them in the game, and then in the second half, Brunson took over, and they got the win. Mm-hmm. Game four of that series? Mm-hmm. Yeah, game four of that series, same ankle, hurts it. Comes back again pretty quickly, maybe like mm-hmm. a week later. Comes back mm-hmm. in game two. He has 25, 11, no, 12 rebounds, eight assists, leads the Knicks to a win. Mm-hmm. the stuff that he does like that is problematic is so loud mm-hmm. like there's no like if Brunson misses a screen we don't we we're not going to notice it half the time but with mm-hmm. Randall you're right like and it's I I'm a huge Randall fan I defend him a lot it's difficult because there's times I don't like the body language at all there's times mm-hmm. that you can see a turnover coming a mile away like the entire building can see that like it's a one-on-three, don't do it, Randall. And, like, yeah. he's going to do it, and he's going to turn it over, and he does. And the first thing he's going to do after he turns it over, he's going to look at the ref. And mm-hmm. you're going to be like, Randall, get, got him, get back on defense. It's not the ref's fault. Like, all this shit. Mm-hmm. He can be extremely frustrating, and he's, and he's loud about it. But I'll give you a reason why. Like, it, it is completely, I was, we were saying before the show, like, it is 100% fair. If you, if you are like, I want to see this team win a title, or I want to see them get as close as they can. There are many arguments that Randall should go. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen in multiple playoffs, he's not he's not improvisational. Randall is very good at he gets to his spots. He you know he, in a certain rhythm, like he, but he's not someone who's gonna like. It's always stunning whenever Randall does any kind of a improvisational layup because he just doesn't. That's not his thing. That's not his game. Mm-hmm. Um, in the playoffs, where someone like Brunson. That's Brunson's whole game. Is like mm-hmm. he'll, he'll shift and he'll stop and he'll get, lean under you and like that's Brunson's whole thing. So in the playoffs, you saw it in Dallas, but also this year as a number one option, he adapted more easily because mm-hmm. he's a better ball handler. But also like 
that's that's kind of in his rhythm anyway. It's not Randall's thing. So you can make the argument that like how far are you going to get in the playoffs if you're depending on Julius Randall to read and react to elite defenses? Like it hasn't been it hasn't been good. Like he hasn't right. ever had a but I will say this like the Knicks have had like a good season. <laughs> Having one good season doesn't mean that you necessarily are best served by making like the biggest jump you can. Like for this organization specifically, I think there's a real value in having like three years of just sustainability. Like not one good year every 10 years. Like the last time the Knicks had a really good year, like out of nowhere, 10 years ago. They were there, they're right after that season. Their big move was they went out and they got Andrea Bargnani because they had worst to, trade ever. They had to do something because they were, they were, you know, they were good. They had to make a big swing for the fences and they didn't. And it, it, they never got back to the level they had been. Mm-hmm. This team, you know, we'll, we'll talk about free agents and, and, and trades and everything, but if there's not an to Leon Rose's credit, this front office has been really kind of great about they never make a move that looks like a panic move. Like they will every draft night, they will make some moves, and at first it pisses me off because I don't know what like they got the twenty first pick and they traded for the twenty fifth, and I'm like, why are you doing that? Because the guy I want at twenty one is not going to be. And by the end of the night, they've gotten like two great players. And mm-hmm. they picked up extra picks, and like they knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and and not just knowing what they're doing when they're active, but also sometimes trusting that they know what they're doing when they don't make a move. A lot of Nick front offices would have made the Donovan Mitchell trade. That's yeah. why you were hired. You were hired to um, to bring in a big guy, and okay, but a lot of front offices would make the Mitchell tr- trade, and the Knicks would not be in as good a position right now as they yeah. were not making that move. So it seems like it's a front office that you can trust. I'm very mm-hmm. curious. The 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 point where I'm like, I don't know where how tight all the bonds are. Like mm-hmm. if Tib Tibbs loves Randall. Like he loves Randall. And if they feel like we should move on from Randall. And Thibodeau feels more like I don't think we should move on from Randall. Like it raises the question also of like how far into this are you with Tibbs? Because yeah, there's a question. I'm I'm a big Thibodeau fan, mm-hmm. um, but Tom Thibodeau's had a history of teams that get to around this point, and this is kind of where they top out. Mm-hmm. And just like we know, there are players who can only get you so far. Like Julius Randle can get you to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're not going to ride him to a championship. Tom no. Thibodeau is the guy that you bring in to – you don't bring him in to win a title. You bring him in to get your house in order, and he's done that. Change the culture. He's changed the – and he's done it. Mm-hmm. Um, he has established something that no one has been able to do here in a long time. Mm-hmm. But does the front office feel like, okay, that's our guy, and we want some sustainability, so we're going to ride that a couple of years. I don't mm-hmm. feel like Leon Rose – is that kind of I don't feel like he was hired to do that. I feel mm-hmm. like 
But we don't know because the Knicks never talk because they never do press conferences. But is do you have a vibe? Just your sense, just just from what you've seen of the team under this front office mm-hmm. and under many years of this owner, do you feel like they're going to make the first big move that comes along that makes sense to them because they want to? They're swinging for the home run, or do you think they sit back and be like, "We got a lot of draft picks." Our caps, our cap situation is pretty flexible. Like, we know what we're good. We're gonna let it ride, and we're gonna let until you know until just the right thing comes our way. We're gonna let it ride. Or do you think they're more the type who are gonna be like, find me that big move. Let me make that big move. I don't think they're gonna do the big move unless it's equitable for the present and the future. Okay. I believe they'll stand if they don't find the trade that they like. They're gonna stand pat. Plus, they're, they're a big fan of Julius Randle. The front office is a big fan of Julius Randle. And before I even, I'm a, before I want to say something to you, I compare Julius Randle to Derek Coleman, talent-wise. Derek you can handle, you can, ha- you can handle the ball. You can rebound, shoot the three-pointer, get yes. your teammates to, to, to get the teammates to open look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you also got the attitude too. When things I never thought of that. Way, comp- that's a good comp. I never thought of that. You go check out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But Julius Randle doesn't have the skills, the talent level of Derek Coleman. Carl Malone once said Derek Coleman had the talent to be the best power forward in the NBA. He had the he had the talent to do it. Yeah. Randle has done more with his talent than Coleman did with his. Yeah. I read a very good, if you know, uh, Mike Vaccaro, who writes in the Post. He's probably the best sports writer in the city, has been for years. Made a comp I had never thought of. And as soon as I saw it, it seemed very, like, Wow, that seems right on. Mm-hmm. Very famous name in New York Nick history, Walt Bellamy. Mm-hmm. Walt Bellamy was an extremely talented multi-all-star Hall of Fame big man. He was on the Knicks with Willis Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, there was kind of a sense that like these guys were not ideal together. Like when the Knicks tried to put Patrick Ewing and Bill Cartwright, like both very good centers, mm-hmm. but they just don't go together. And that was the case with Reed and Bellamy. Mm-hmm. And Bellamy could be, um, as he was very talented, he could also be very moody, mm-hmm. um, could be very surly. Um, and the most probably famous trade in Nick history was when they traded Bellamy to the Pistons to get Dave DeBusher. Dave DeBusher slotted right in next to Willis Reed. He let Reed become the center. Now you had DeBusher, also a future Hall of Famer. Um, just a better fit, and the Knicks, you know, ran that to two titles. Um, I don't invoke the name lightly, but I'm just saying that like Julius Randle has that similar kind of vibe to him. Very talented. Mm-hmm. I th- I think a lot of teams would like to have him, but you know, like you're saying, it's a question of equitable. You're not giving him away just to get. Like, let me ask you this: I keep seeing this from a lot of people. A trade of basically Julius Randle to the Sixers for Tobias Harris, uh, DeAnthony Melton, and maybe like a, like a draft pick. I'm gonna be very honest with you with that with that with that trade. Okay. Not enough for Julius Randle. Yeah, I don't think so either. I like Tobias. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Tell me. I mean, tell me what you think. I like Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. But you could trade someone else for Tobias Harris on that Nick team. Yeah. I Not feel like window. Yeah. Um, there's a there's there's a certain trade that they also brought up too. 
that I've seen recently. As a matter of fact, today on Twitter. You know, I, 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 I've been arguing with people on Twitter all day, so they don't they don't <laughs> like me right now. So uh, that's why I, this this is what I do. I love that. Someone mentioned Julius Randle for Kristaps Porzingis. So I was going to ask you about KP. Um, I mean, that's ridiculous. Randall, I, I did a piece of it a month ago and calculated that since he's, since the Knicks signed him, mm-hmm. he's played in like 95% of the possible games. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't bring up Kristaps Porzingis and put his name next to Julius Randall. Like, don't. We don't have to go there. We're all adults. Like, we know that we are not trading Julius Randle for a guy who misses 20 games a year all the time, at least. And is not going to, and you don't figure that's going to, it's not like as he gets older, you figure KP is going to get tougher. Mm-hmm. So, I was going to ask you this um, mm-hmm. when we talk about trades, and a lot of people talking about trading Randle. Uh, I mean, the biggest reaction I think I've seen since the season ended, at least on Nick's Twitter, has been talk of like trading Randall. Some talk about trading Barrett. I think an interesting um, direction the Knicks could go in. And there's... So the best player in the first round was probably Mitchell Robinson. Mm -hmm. In the second round, you began to see some of the limitations in Mitch's game affect the Knicks. Uh, there were a number of occasions where Isaiah Hartenstein is playing through the fourth quarter because the Knicks have to have a center who can make a free throw Mm -hmm. and also who can make a pass. There were times in that series where Mitch would get the ball in his hand and because of the way Miami would, would, would block off maybe like a dribble handoff, there's nothing to do. And while you're waiting for the next action to come, Mitch is 12 feet from the basket and Mm -hmm. He can't do anything. Like he's right. not. He can't do anything. He's, he's like he's frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw it with the. It, it worked when Spolster went to the hacker shack. It happened to work out. Mitch made four of six, and then Thibodeau was able to put. Like it worked out, but it very easily could have not worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could look at if we trade Mitchell Robinson, who's going to have value um, mm-hmm. to somebody. He's on a good contract. It's only, I think, three years now left on it. He's still very young. I think he's 25, mm-hmm. 24, 25. And one thing you see, like, especially if you are going to still have Randall um, on the team, you want a big man who, who can play um, like from the perimeter. You want to open up that spacing. Right now, because Mitch has to be down on the block, which is, is, is awesome. He's the best offensive rebounder in the league. But because he has to occupy that space – and Randall and Brunson and Barrett all like to work in the mid-range. Mm-hmm. There's really, you know, it's amazing that the Knicks were successful given the lack of spacing that they have, like, from their starters. So mm-hmm. there are three big men who the Knicks, you could trade Mitch, and then there are three free agents that you could go after. And I'm curious if you would if you would want any of them. The first was KP. So mm-hmm. let's say the Knicks... Um, they trade Mitch. They have cap space. You can sign Christophs Porzingis, slide, slide him in at center, and now there's your team. You know, Brunson and Grimes, RJ, Randall, and KP. Mm-hmm. You, would you rather do? Would you rather have Porzingis? Would you rather have Mitchell Robinson? 
That's a very, very loaded question, and I'm going to explain to you why. Mitchell, if the Knicks didn't have the play of Mitchell Randall, um, Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson in the first round, did not get past Cleveland. Did not get past Cleveland. Yeah, that's true. Um, to to Mitchell's, um, he was vilified in in Twitter, vilified in the NBA that he got torched by Bam Adebayo. But let me tell you something. You and I both watched that game. When Mitchell Robinson left, went to the bench, you saw Bam's eyes light up when he saw Hardest Time guarding him. You saw his eyes lit up. He's like, I'm going to work now. Mm-hmm. And I've never you know, seen I'm not a big fan of in my life. I've never seen I'm him. Not a, I'm... Like, it looked like something got into <laughs> like like something shot into that man's body. <laughs> I was like, no, don't take Mitch out of the game. Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. Here we go. Here we yep. go. You already yeah. have you already you already have to deal with playoff Jimmy. Yeah, now you got a new level of bam. New level of bam. He looked like a he looked like a hungry tiger that hadn't eaten three weeks yeah. when he saw when he saw Hardside coming to the game. Yo, it was no it was it was literally like they plugged him in. <laughs> He's like well, he yes. just shot it. Yep, the fucking Terminator man. <laughs> so I, I'm saying so with Mitch, there are limitations. Like mm-hmm. um, so KP the, I would I would stick with Mitch. I like KP better as a fit, but I like the fact that Mitch is going to play probably seventy to eighty games, and I can't rely on Porzingis to do that. Like, and Porzingis is going to cost double at least what Mitch does. To me, that's not a, a good bargain. Right. There's another two big men. Um, one of them, I think, would be absolutely perfect next to Julius Randle. He's not young. Before you get to that, go ahead. I'm gonna give you the features. That, I'm gonna give you the benefit of having KP. For Mitchell Robinson. Go ahead. Okay. More minutes for Toppin. <laughs> okay. So wait. So you're keeping Mitch, but trading Randall, and bringing in KP. That's my thought process. Oh, you could trade Mitchell and get KP and do the same thing. Reason being is, KP is a is a, is, a, is a unicorn. Talented, talented big man who, in my opinion, could play the five, the four, and the three with his talent, ball handling skills, long-range shooting. You bring KP for Randall. Now, Thomas Smith's go from 12 minutes to now 25, sometimes 30 minutes, depending on the matchup. But if you bring, if you trade KP for Randall, if you trade, sorry, Randall for KP, isn't isn't KP now taking Randall's minutes? You gotta get yes. rid of you gotta get rid of two bigs to make room for Obi. Or, or you just gotta get rid of Randall, not for another big. Hmm. Does that are you interested in that? Like if you, if you could trade Randall for a let's say a great a great uh, two guard, mm-hmm. so now Obi's gonna be the four. So you, let's say let's say Zach Levine. Okay, let's just say you could trade no, Randall for Zach no, Levine. No, 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 that's not the that's not the guy I want. So the guy, if you go trade Randall, that's okay. not the guy. I what want. about this? What about the okay? Would you trade my Randall guy? For the guy? Beal? No, no. Randy no. Bill gets hurt too right. much. Okay. Shea Gilders Alexander. I mean, I, I would do that too. 
the Thunder are not going. The Thunder have no reason to make that trade. Draft picks. We got we with a little bit draft picks. We can. They make, have. We they can... have all the draft picks already. They have give literally them. like. Give them more. <laughs> give them more. the whole draft. Give them. Give them more because the reason being is <laughs> now you created that and 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 sorry to say it, you do that trade. Grimes and Deuce McBride has to go to the to the Thunder as well. There's no way in hell you're gonna have Shea Gills Alexander. You already got Josh Hart, Mr. Intangible, coming off the bench. You're gonna keep quickly, right? For the bench. If if you if you're trying to get Shea, they're taking whatever they want. Other than Brunson, they're taking whatever they want from your team, and they're taking a lot of it. He's like 23 years old, maybe 24. So would you trade? If they say to you, okay, we want RJ, Grimes, Quickly, McBride, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps. Because that's what it's going to cost to get them, at least. That's too much. If you didn't do it for Donovan Mitchell, you can't do it for him. Let me ask you, who would you, who, which of those two would you – would you pay more for? Like who who in your eyes is more appealing? Mitchell or Shea? Shea, because you already got Burns who do the same thing that Mitchell does. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Plus he's taller. He's six foot six foot what? Six foot eight? Six, six foot seven. Six? Yeah, six seven, six eight. A wingspan of seven feet. Yeah. Thibodeau yeah. would love to have that on the defensive end. He would love that. I mean that that would take them up to a legit that's a legit team. Mm-hmm. But no, no. So let me give you the big now. There's, there's another, there's another option. If you decide to trade Mitch uh, to get to get a, a better, you know, whatever player on the wing, whatever you want to get, mm-hmm. a center who could be perfect. He's a little older, mm-hmm. but Brook Lopez. He was just all defense first team. Mm-hmm. He is a above average three point shooter. Mm-hmm. High volume. Um, excellent rebounder, too. Excellent rebounder. A big a big man, um, but skilled. Mm-hmm. You put him in that offense, like you want to... I mean, if you have a mismatch, you know, he, he was a post-up monster the first half of his career. He, you know, he hasn't forgotten that. But mm-hmm. if you want to be running more stuff for Randall and RJ inside the arc, Brooke Lopez is very happy spotting up from 24 feet, and the other team's big can't leave him. Mm-hmm. So, but he's like 35 years old. Mm-hmm. So, are you interested in Brooke Lopez? If Trady Mitch were to open up, you know, bring you something else that you need, I don't know what that is. That's a very tough question for me to answer, but I'm going to yeah. give you two takes. Yes, because of everything you just just described, plus one thing, one more thing. He's played in New York. He already had that experience. The flip side is is his age. And how many years can he give you? How many more years can he give you at 35, at the center position? The greats, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Shaq, start to slow down at 35. And big bodies don't tend to last that long. No. He's a big body. No. 
the Knicks, this is a situation, this is going to test the medal of Leon Rose, Worldwide Rest, and Scott Perry's skills at, as um, front office. You got to be creative with this trade. Um, my, I'm still going to stand by this as my untouchables right now as far as trades go. My untouchable is still Jalen Brunson. Now is Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, RJ Barrett, and Emmanuel quickly. All, I would love the, all four of those are untouchable. Untouchable. I would love to throw OB in there, but I think Hart, wait, Brunson, Hart, quickly, and RJ? RJ, yeah. And who would you love to throw in there? I would love to throw OB in there, but he's best he's gonna be better served playing for another team where his talent yeah, can I be used so, the right way. So, yeah. Um, I'm sorry to say that. I'm really sorry to say that because I think this kid, he's been in the bottle for too long. Free agency's, co free agency's coming up for him. Restrict? Yep. No, no, I think this year is they restricted with free agents, right? Or next year, this following season. Following season. So a team's going to throw big money at him. The Knicks are not going to match him. Not going to match it. Especially if you keep Randall on the team. Especially if he doesn't show the improvement in his game where he could handle you can't now take over the load of Randall's load. And you got to run a different offense with him on the floor. The, I think this is where I'm going to get to Tom Thibodeau's coaching. His coaching felt Obi Toppin in this series. Reason being is when Miami had an opportunity to set up their defense, the Knicks couldn't get the ball past half court. It took nearly four, eight seconds each and every time. They were struggling to get into that they offense. They were struggling yeah. to get to that offense. It doesn't matter. If, it doesn't even, it didn't even matter if quickly was playing or not. They had a tough, tough time getting the ball over the half court line. Yeah. Dibs, in my opinion, should have went back to his all reliable Derrick Rose. Throw that curveball. That Derrick Rose for those brief 10 to 15 minutes. Try to become try to be old Derrick Rose. Push the ball up the court, open up the court, just drive to the basket, bring change the tempo of the team. Change the tempo of the team. I'm not asking him to be Derrick Rose MVP. I'm asking him to be change the tempo because Jalen Brunson is a half-court point guard. He could mm -hmm. be a tempo point guard, but he prefers to bring the ball up court. Mm -hmm. Me personally, the only improvement I ask for Jalen Brunson, improve his assists. Mm -hmm. improve. I need, I need Jalen Brunson to put up Stephon Marbury numbers, 28, mm -hmm. 29. Jalen Brunson has the time to give me 25 and 10. He gives me 25 and 10. He's MVP. Hmm. But when he goes 25 and 10, now RJ is not going to give me 23. I'm going to get to RJ. Well, he needs to improve on too. Because RJ Barrett needs to get that mid that 18 foot game going. Fadeaway shots, posting up, improve his handles. It went down this year. He was when he was going to the basket, he was getting stripped. He, I, I was hoping when they signed Brunson, and maybe now that they've had a year together, I don't know if this will happen or not, but <clears throat> I remember the year that Derrick Rose was there, uh, when they when they reacquired Rose the second time under Thibodeau, the year that they uh, made it uh, and played Atlanta in the playoffs. Derrick Rose, when he came in, like really turned around the season. And, it, I mean, he, he finished, I think, third and sixth man voting that year. He was incredible for them. But one of the things that was also really impressive is that <coughs> not long after Rose arrived, 
you started seeing quickly doing some things that he clearly had watched Rose do. Mm-hmm. Like he picked up from Rose in games, he had some stuff with this floater, um, and certain kind of dribble dribble techniques that he hadn't re- that Rose uses that clearly quickly saw. And I hope that Barrett studies Brunson. I assume that he does and that he will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brunson is a great model for for Barrett to emulate because they have a lot of similarities. They're both left-handed players, but they can go right. Um, They're both more kind of herky-jerky than just Mm blow-by. But Brunson has such a better ability. Brunson is is remarkable at always seeming, no matter what what sequence of moves he goes into, he almost always seems to end up with a good look. Like, however many fakes and pull-ups and drop step like all the stuff he does he always seemed to end up with a, a clean look and barrett if barrett could pick up some of that but barrett also is so bigger and stronger like you draw some fouls you know mm-hmm. I, I would like to see barrett pick up on some of what brunson does you know especially and and you did start to see more of it this year where barrett would get in front of somebody and instead of like you know just going for a tough basket would consciously like kind of get them up in the air and then just go up for the foul but like trap them behind him mm-hmm. and use that and and he's because he's become better at the line mm-hmm. um which was a you know a real struggle for him earlier in his career but now you see he's he's always been he's never shied away from the line even when he wasn't making them he's never that's kind of RJ in a nutshell like even if he's not making it happen he will keep trying um mm-hmm. so i i'm very excited that in the playoffs he was he really mostly stayed pretty aggressive like if he made a mistake it was a mistake of aggression um mm-hmm. but even when he was was missing shots like they weren't fadeaways they weren't uh like it was his look it was the kind of stuff he wanted and you see when he's you know when he's good there's such a different level mm-hmm. of, of offense um you really hope that like for all the analysis we do of him he's 22 years old he's still mm-hmm. right now 22 years old like his best years are way ahead of him. Um, I'm mm-hmm. very high in RJ, man. I, I mm-hmm. really feel like I'm excited to see where it could go for him. Let me and you know we mentioned Brunson needs shooters. RJ Barrett needs shooters because he's he has he has the talent to break down the defense, get to the hole, and pass it out to the open man. When he's not turning the ball over, that's one mm-hmm. thing about him. He does this year. I think he turned the ball turned the ball over more this year than he did the past past three his first three years. Passing the ball. If you give him lanes, you know he will. He'll blast right down them. But um, that's 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 a place where I think you know I think they like Grimes a lot, mm-hmm. and Grimes makes a lot of sense in that lineup. Um, starting Brunson's obviously going to start. Randall's going to start. If Mitch is going to start, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be a limit to the spacing that you're going to have. Um, it's it seems to me the most the most interesting place to like make a move that would maybe upgrade your offense just by, you know, sometimes in a room you move the furniture just a certain way and mm-hmm. suddenly like, boy, there is all this room that there wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. It might be Mitch and that's nothing against Mitch um, at all. And, I, and that might be a mistake because I don't want to underestimate the value of a, a defensive player at his level who mm-hmm. is, the impact player that he is on the glass mm-hmm. um, who has developed, you know, under them, he's, he's, 
he's been there the longest. He was, if you remember, Mitchell Robinson came in the draft pick that they got in the Carmelo Anthony trade when they sent him to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mitch has been there, and we've seen him grow. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's and and the most impressive thing to me about Mitch is like he got his money a year ago, and there have mm-hmm. been a lot of, you know, especially in the media, like Mitch is Mitch is his own kind of dude. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in the press they'll play that out to be like, a, if if the team is is winning, that's cute and they like it. Mm-hmm. If the team is losing, like, oh, this flake is what's wrong with this dude. So, mm-hmm. Mitch has had a lot. Mitch had like five agents, like in his first maybe four years in the league. And mm-hmm. Mitch is a guy who will pop up a lot on on like Instagram and like say some random shit after a game that like it doesn't need to be saying, but who right. cares? Um, and. A lot of people wondered, like, should they give Mitchell Robinson a big contract? Because, you know, when you have what well, there's a lot of he kind of seems like a weird dude. Like, Mitchell Robinson got his money and has just gotten better. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't he didn't even plateau. Like, he was a good player. Mm-hmm. The guy who got that contract was a good player. The guy they got this year was another level of player than they had had before. So. I'm a big fan of Mitch, but I think him or Randall have to go because yeah. if you get rid of Randall, then you can keep Mitch and and play you know a, a, you know get yourself a different kind of you know, a shooter at the fourth spot, and then mm-hmm. Mitch is still. But one of them I think has to go, especially if you're going to keep. I think if it's a choice between RJ and Barrett mm-hmm. or Mitch and Robinson, like they're going to keep Brunson and RJ, mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll figure out something with the other two. Let me let me hit you up with a, with this, as far as coaching changes that can help Mitchell Robinson. Is signing, is bringing the Nick Great Center as an assistant coach to work with Robinson. You see what this man has done in Orlando with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's kind of was kind of a similar player as Mitch. Early in his career, bad foul shooter. The one to give him the ball in the fourth quarter because he can't shoot a foul shot. Mm-hmm. He turned that man into an all NBA player, defensive player of the year, Dwight Howard. That name is Patrick Ewing. I'm always in favor of anything that gets Patrick Ewing back involved with the Knicks. Um mm-hmm. I like the I like the idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if he would want to do it. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, what what the big man's ambition is these days. Like, he he got the head coaching job at his alma mater. Mm-hmm. I would think the only job that I would think would interest him as a head coach now would be the NBA. Like, he's not going to get a bigger job than Georgetown at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think at the college level. So for him, and he's always wanted to coach in the NBA. But does mm-hmm. he want to go? He would have to come back as an assistant. Does he want to do that? I would love to see Patrick coming back with the Knicks. Like mm-hmm. I would just selfishly, I, I he was at uh, I think game one of the Miami series. Game game one with his, I think that was his grandchild, I believe. I think so. Yeah, it was yeah. so incredible to see Patrick Ewing at the Garden on a meaningful night. Um, you saw it with Starks in a lot of the games. Sprewell, Bernard talking King, um, John Starks talking shit. Yo, yeah, still man. to this day at the players. Latrell Spiro was there. I think I believe they all took a picture together after uh-huh. one of the games. Uh-huh. He was and... there. Bernard King was there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. They got a lot. Of, they brought back quite a few people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We're missing okay. the main one. We're missing Oak. I think you bring back Oak. If Oak goes back into the garden, Knicks, Knicks will get any free agent they want. That's the only thing that's holding them, them back from getting any. That's how the big time free agents to be like, yo, I want to go to New York. They have to bring back Oak. They got to find a way to bring back Oak, in my opinion. So before we, before we get to that, another thing, what could help R.J. Barrett too. I mentioned this on Twitter. I saw a picture of Allen Houston playing golf with Donovan Mitchell today. R.J. Barrett should be picking Allen Houston's brain on how to shoot the basketball mid-range. The tricks that Allen Houston has done in the years with the New York Knicks. What do you think about that? I don't know at what point, like, Allen Houston achieved, like, a perfect form at, like, a young age. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'll give you an example of something. Like, I played piano growing up. I played piano since I was a kid. Uh, I was a piano major in college. Like, Mm -hmm. I I played a long, long time. And Mm -hmm. I didn't do all of the techniques properly like the way that your hand is supposed to fall on the keys like i cheated a kind of a certain way and i could get away with it because my fingers were very fast but like it there's a point later on like when you're when you're on a lower level you know you get away with it and nobody's gonna notice it anyway but then there are times later where you can tell like oh man like if if I had perfected my form earlier, like this thing right now would not be challenging me the way that it is. And you hit a certain age and your brain's not going to make that. It's not going to make that adjustment. Mm-hmm. I don't know at this point, RJ's done what he's done so long, the way that he's done it. Um, mm-hmm. That I don't know. I don't know. At, I don't know at what level the coaching stops being able to do that. You know, like, mm-hmm. like in college, like, how much do college coaches really change kids shooting? Like, because a lot of kids who play high school are not coached by, you know, D1 players or former NBA players. But a lot of kids who play, let's just say D1 mm-hmm. or even D2 are coached by people who played college ball at the highest level, people who played in the NBA, people who played internationally. Those guys are on such a higher level. And there's a limit to like how much they can help the players shooting, and that's when they're younger. I, I would love to just like do a matrix thing where I just take R.J. Barrett's head and I stick a needle in the back of it and I inject everything Allen Houston knows, like mm-hmm. into his body. But I think I think R.J. is what he is, and I'm okay. I think if you look at him, like his his form doesn't look broken. Like, um, and if you look really at R.J.'s, if you really look at his history as a as a developing basketball player, mm-hmm. he goes to Duke, and when he, when he, when RJ committed to Duke, um, RJ and Cam Reddish were like the the big, like wow, Duke got RJ and Duke got Cam. Zion Williamson reclassified um, at the last minute mm-hmm. his his year of, of his graduation year, so he was eligible at that point to jump to Duke. Nobody saw that coming. Zion coming to Duke, so RJ went from. the feature, you know, player in the offense mm-hmm. to, okay, I'm now the second banana and, and, and I got to fit in now to Zion Williamson's game. 
then RJ gets to the NBA. When he gets to the Knicks, he's not usually a number three pick. Here, here's the ball. Take as many shots as you want. Like, get your reps in. No, mm-hmm. RJ joined a team that had just signed Julius Randle and they just signed Marcus Morris. They mm-hmm. took most of the shots that year. RJ got held back a little. The year after that, that's the year that they made the playoffs. They brought in Derrick Rose. So Randall was taking most of the shots. Then it was Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was actually quickly. And then it was RJ. Um, mm-hmm. This season, they bring in Brunson, which is great. But mm-hmm. Brunson took more shots. Randall took more shots. So he hasn't had a, a, at all a traditional opportunity to like, like when you drafted RJ Barrett, the main skill you were drafting him for was his scoring. But since yeah. he's come to your team, it's kind of similar to Obi. Like you drafted Obi and you really haven't played to his strengths. Right. You drafted RJ for his scoring and other things, but mostly his scoring. And you haven't really given him an opportunity. They don't run a lot of stuff for RJ. No. Um, now, maybe it's the like, look, you got to earn it. Like, we're not handing it out to you just because you're the third, but Julius Randle's better than you, you know? Like, if you want to get more shots, earn it. Maybe that's it. And yeah. I think RJ has has improved. Um, you know, we'll see. Okay, okay. So I, I want to mention, before we segue, I want to talk about now the targets now. We talked a little bit early in the trades, but I want to say one thing about how Alan Houston could help RJ Barrett in this situation. The ability to post up as a wing player. Mm-hmm. He's a really good post player. And Obi Toppin should be in that cla- in that gym too with Allen Houston too. Because I think if, if Obi Toppin gets a, a, a improves his three point shot, improves his mid range mid range game and jumper, improves his defensive awareness with his athleticism, you trade Randall tomorrow. That's a lot to improve, though. That's like almost everything. Yeah. <laughs> Besides shooting and jumping, that's pretty much everything else. Yeah. But you know what? When you talked about – so here's something else, though, that would help RJ more quickly than anything Houston could tell him. Mm-hmm. You've got to get rid of Mitch or Randall because those post-up opportunities don't exist when your center is always right down there by the paint and between Randall – and and maybe Brunson like defenders can cheat a little bit to try to help like somebody had if we're talking about maximizing Barrett mm-hmm. one of those two guys has to go mm. now we segue now to which players would fit that mold which players would take this team to the next level that they could possibly compete with the Milwaukee Bucks. I got a name for you. I got one. Okay. And they might be a free agent, so it only cost you money. Mm -hmm. And it would let you, you could trade Mitch. Mm -hmm. You'd have to trade Mitch. Um, It it wouldn't be Randall. But here's someone you could plug in at center. Again, a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Draymond Green. Mm. Now, Mm. this is is a perennial defensive player of the year front runner. Like, Mitchell Robinson is an excellent defensive player. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green is a perennial defensive player of the year candidate slash winner. Mm-hmm. He's a brilliant passer. He is Larry Bird shooting the ball compared to Mitch. Mm-hmm. 
he's also Draymond. Mm-hmm. Are you? Does would it, you? Would you take? Would you take Draymond Green next year at center over Mitchell Robinson? Yes, but I think I would too. This is the other dynamic. He's not going to stand for Julius Randle pouting when his game is off. He's not going to stand for that. That in itself could be an issue internally. Yeah. He's not going to stand for that. That that may not be a bad thing. Yeah. Now, because before we started the podcast, man, I was going to ask the people in the free agency right now. Guys who could possibly you if you, you yes, we go we do trade Mitch. Sick of the argument. Mm-hmm. We keep Isaiah Hardenstein. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about either signing Sergi Baca and or Demarcus Cousins to fill in that five position? Older players, but opens the opens the offense up for Randall Brunson and Barrett opens the lanes a whole lot more than what Mitch can do for you. I don't think that there's enough upside from either of them to justify the risk that I'm going to take um, committing to, to two guys who haven't done it in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, like on their best day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like the Knicks are, are at a point now in their evolution where they're looking, you know, you're looking now to get to that 50 to 55 win level. Mm-hmm. And you're not the only way that you're moving on from Mitch. I mean, Mitch Robinson is again, like a, a maybe 24 year old um, elite center at multiple things. He's an elite rebounder. He's probably the best offensive rebounder. He's an elite shot blocker. He, and he's not he's not a defender who's just out there chasing blocks. Like he's a great defensive player in general. If you're gonna move on from that, you've gotta have you gotta have something, you know, that's really uh, solidly doing it for you somewhere else. And Abaka cousins could be great, kind of like end of the bench, like you know, if you have to really dig into your, your bag of tricks and they're there, like you're glad that they're there. But the only way that I'm moving on from Mitch is if it's because I know that, like, Draymond, like, or Brook Lopez, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wouldn't risk it on KP, and KP has been doing it now for a while, even more than Ibaka and Cousins have. So mm-hmm. I'm staying with Mitch or get me, like, a, a top-level kind of – a top-level guy to replace him with. Mm-hmm. Now – now, how do you feel now? We got a player on our bench right now. Third center, Mr. Jericho Sims. How important is his development for next season? Does he elevate to become the second, the backup center? He does have more offensive punch than um, Mitchell Robinson. But his rebounding is not as strong as Mitchell. I think the the presence 
and the development of Sims are significant in that he can be, you know, he can be a very inexpensive, mm-hmm. um, like a like a spare tire, like a donut. Mm-hmm. Like you're not you're not gonna ride Jericho Sims like for a thousand miles, but like if you need to go three weeks in the season, like with Jericho Sims, like that's fine. Like you feel mm-hmm. you feel okay about that. And the more that he can diversify and, and add anything to his game, like the better. But I think uh, he's important to them because he's a he's a guy they took like 58th in the draft, and he's mm-hmm. a he's a viable NBA big man. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's had some really nice moments, you know, on a team with Mitchell Robinson, he's easily the best athlete, mm-hmm. um, which is insane. Uh, I, I think I missed him in the playoffs. I thought there were there were spots where it might have been nice because sometimes it's nice that Hartenstein and Mitchell and Mitch do like such different things, but sometimes mm-hmm. like you saw in the playoffs, like it's you're either getting one thing or the other, like. If, mm-hmm. So if Mitch is not on the floor, your centers do not have any athleticism. Like mm-hmm. for all the things, just none. Whereas there, and there were moments like maybe against Adebayo where like Sims is a better presence to have out there in some ways than Hartenstein, oh, or at least yeah. to guard him because he's mm-hmm. he's you know he's he's more athletically capable. Um, he's just a better matchup, and I think they missed that. So mm-hmm. I think Sims is a it would I think it really could be a nice development for them next season. If Sims can get himself to the point where, like, you could think about trading Mitch, being comfortable with, I kind of have like my my Mitch backup, like in Sims anyway. Right. They missed they missed Taj Gibson in this playoffs because when when Hardestine and, and Mitchell was in foul trouble, they had no center. I think, like you said, or I think you said this earlier. I think an underrated need for this team is to add. Another like talented big man in the playoffs. There were a lot of spots where like, like they're never they're never gonna play small. That's not Tim's game. Um, there's spots where like you need a physical presence. You need you need one more talented big man. There were times where it felt like it. it there's times where going to Josh Hart at the four is great, mm-hmm. and and that and that can really be the difference in in a game. But there's times where like. You need, I don't know. I I I think they need one more good big man in their rotation. Mm. Mm. You someone like Demarcus Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> I wanted him to be in there for so many years. Uh, but Betty, let me give you somebody who's who's playing this year. Actually, played this year. That I, I, I we talked about this on previous episodes with you and I, Andre Drummond. How much of a difference he would have made in this series? In this series alone, Andre Drummond is a is a is a strange, strange cat for me to try to figure out. Mm-hmm. That man, New York. Will, New York yeah. He's from New York. <laughs> yes, he is from New York, and he's had you know, he's done some remarkable things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a man who might have had thirty rebounds in a game once, like. Mm-hmm. Um, He's can be a really good passer sometimes, like mm-hmm. better than you think. Um, he's he's a he's a different kind of dude. Um, 
I think the Knicks were fortunate again this year, like they were two years ago, that they they had a really good year from their centers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I feel like you saw in the playoffs, like almost every team that's left in the playoffs, if you look at their centers, like mm-hmm. Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Al Horford does a lot of things. Bam and Abayo, like so. The other centers you got Horford, who's like is a, a do it all kind of guy. And you've got Williams and Bead, who's an MVP, mm-hmm. and you had um, Bam, mm-hmm. you know, who's an all star. All these things in the West, you had Jokic, you had Anthony Davis, you had Draymond, and you had um, oh god, who was Phoenix? uh, Aiton, Aiton, yeah, right? all of those, all of those centers are above Mitch. Mm-hmm. Like, for all the great things Mitch does, like, you would take probably any one of those players over Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. Maybe not maybe not Horford. Um, but the point is, it's not even just about good. It's about you're not limited with them in the playoff. Like, as the game changes, they can stay on the floor because they do so many things well, <coughs> so many things well mm-hmm. that you can't just play them off the floor. Mm-hmm. With the Knicks in the playoffs, it felt like Either Mitch had to be out there, but you would still lose out on some things, or Hartenstein had, like, against Miami, the way Miami was starting to, to ball pressure, especially Brunson, mm-hmm. um, you saw that in that series, there were a lot of games where Hartenstein played so much of the fourth quarter because mm-hmm. Mitch can't do anything when he gets the ball. Like, But then you bring in Hartenstein, and like, okay, great. He can pass, and he's doing all these things, but, like, now... On the other end, you got Bam on the bow, his eyes wide open. He's like, lunch, lunch, dinner. <laughs> Looks like Fred Flintstone eating that big piece of dinosaur steak on his table. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think the next step for their development is you need a you need a multi purpose big man. Like you need a guy who can be out there all the time. No matter what the game is like. Like you he, he can be out there. Um we'll see where that guy is. Yeah. All right, let's let's segue. I know you got to jump. We we having a great conversation about this about the Knicks, man. We can go on for hours, but I know you yeah. got to jump. But a few more things. Like if you give me ten more minutes, yeah, I got ten you. more minutes. I got you. And um, I want to talk about a guy who Knicks could also target via trade. You mentioned Zach Levine, but I think his teammate is the better fit. With the team currently constructed right now, would be the better fit. Demar, Demar. So where is Demar fitting into the Nick lineup? Starting two guard. He was replacing RJ. He's replacing, replacing Grimes. Grimes. Replacing Grimes. So Brunson, DeRozan, Barrett, Randall, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> and Demar, Demar is money in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he is. He is. If to me, if I'm bringing in DeRozan, I have to be getting rid of Randall or RJ because it's another, especially to replace Grimes with a better scorer but a worse shooter. Um, you, you're, you're bringing DeRozan into a situation where now he's fighting in the mid range for spots with Barrett and Randall, and Mitch is in there also, mm-hmm. and Brunson's going to drive in there at some point. I think it would be. I think it would be tough to watch. Like it, it makes all the sense in the world when you think of it. 
Um, because DeRozan, like, I mean, you're saying it, like, DeRozan is the best player on that team, like, and DeRozan has been kind of a remarkable player now for the last like five or so years. Like, he was a nice player, and then you know, he got to San Antonio, and people said, like, he can't shoot threes, and then one year he was like unbelievable from three, mm-hmm. and now he's become this, like, arguably the best mid range scorer in the league, mm-hmm. uh, like. I don't even think it's arguable. Like he's easily the best, and he and like you're saying, clutch. He's terrifying. If if you're, there was a game. I think it was last year. The Knicks were in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and there was about one. There was like one point something seconds left, and the Knicks were up one, and the mm-hmm. Bulls inbounded it to DeRozan, and RJ is on him, and RJ is absolutely perfectly. He's doing everything you can do with one second left mm-hmm. to force DeRozan into this impossible. And DeRozan, he doesn't make the shot, but if you remember, mm-hmm. like, Kobe was like this. Um, Kobe was always like this. Even when Kobe missed at the buzzer, like, it was close. Mm-hmm. Like, it would, like, rim out or, you know, like, it was different. He didn't brick it. Like, he almost made it. And DeRozan mm-hmm. went up over Barrett, and it just, like, it was halfway in. Mm-hmm. Came back out. And, like, you know, like we were saying, playoff Jimmy – there's a something about DeRozan that, like, he's more than you think he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not just, like, a good player. Like, there's something. You could you could talk me into taking DeRozan as a replacement for maybe for Randall or for Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. Got you. But most importantly, we got to re-up IQ this year. Re-up him. I understand he had a bad playoff. Are you we'll concerned about that at all? Hmm? Did that change, did the playoffs affect how much you would pay him at all? I mean, you have to for now. It has to for now. He has to show me in the playoffs that he deserves that 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 max contract. Because last season we were talking about him possibly being a starting 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 point guard before we got Brunson. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that. Everyone's talking about let's run it with Brunson. We got to end up getting, I mean, running with quickly. Okay. Running with quickly. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be a six man for a little bit longer. Whether or not they trade RJ, whether or not they trade um, Grimes. Mm. But in this series, in this series, um, as much as we love Josh Hart, Mr. Intangible, call Mr. Intangible, mm-hmm. the Heat series exposed him as a limited offensive player. Thibodeau waited too long to start Grimes back, put Grimes back in the starting lineup. Waited too long. I think it was one game too late. Yeah, I agree. Grimes, I love Grimes, but he 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 defended playoff Jimmy better than anybody else on that team. Mm-hmm. Another big piece in there taking the next step is going to be Grimes. You, you saw this a lot. Grimes has come a long way. Um, and one thing that I think is to his credit as a player is he's not the kind of player who's going to, he doesn't make mistakes that like, are, he doesn't try shit that he can't do. So mm-hmm. his rookie season, like he, you could see like he, he clearly knew my job is if I have an open three, I take it. He didn't try anything off the dribble. He didn't like, you know, if, if, if he didn't have an open three, he was passing it. It wasn't until year two that you saw him like 
okay, now I can attack closeouts. And he started attacking closeouts. It was very effective okay. attacking, like very effective attacking closeouts. Mm-hmm. But in the playoffs, especially against Miami, you saw this a lot. He would, he, he, he gets the pass, starts to line up a three, closeout mm-hmm. comes, he dribbles past it. He would take about two dribbles in and then reflexively he would stop and pass it back to whoever was behind the three-point line. He didn't keep pushing with it. Um, mm-hmm. The next step for me with Grimes, and I think it'll be a big thing for the Knicks, is get him now to that next level where like he's not just a threat um, behind the line and also mm-hmm. driving, but like let's see some mid-range. Like, mm-hmm. like you were talking about Houston, like Grimes is is not that different. His his stroke a little bit is very is kind of Houston like. If you remember, like yeah. Houston was over the head. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that Grimes also is too. Barrett's is a little bit more to the to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, if Grimes can get some of that Houston mid midi to his game, that's a game changer for them. Yep. Um, get him to that point where you're you know one of those. I hate to say the name, but like Reggie Miller wasn't just a three point shooter. Reggie Miller, if he got open eighteen feet away, that was a layup. Like mm-hmm. Grimes has the touch to do that. Um, I just want to see him now have the confidence to like make make that decision. Like be aggressive. Like you get a you're if you're open from eighteen feet, that should that should be Take the, the defense shot. should feel like oh shit. If you're open from eighteen feet. Take the shot. Yep. Yeah, take the shot. I felt he was deferring too much to Randall. I think he was I think the Randall attitude was scaring if it affected him, definitely. It affected him definitely. He was always looking for Randall to get the ball to Randall. I'm like, dude, shoot the ball. You could shoot. Well, to be fair, he was getting. I mean, he was getting it back to anybody, whoever was like. He wasn't even aware of who was behind him. Mm-hmm. It was like an instinct. Like he got two steps in. Whoever was behind him, it could be Randall, it could be Brunson, it could be Hart. Um, mm-hmm. He was kicking it back to whoever it was. He was not going to push. Um, and some of that was probably out of bio. But mm-hmm. if you're that's smart, if you're not going to drive it on a bio, because there was a point, maybe was it Bam? There was someone Grimes tried to, to throw down on. Um, in that was that about it? It was out of bio. So fine. So you learned a lesson, but like that's where have that 15 footer. Mm-hmm. Boom. Boom. You got to have that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the, the number one thing I'm looking for from, from I, I think, of all the starters next season is. You know, is Grimes strictly like a, a catch and shoot closer, which is fine. If he's catch mm-hmm. and shoot and he's attack to the rim, that's great. That's two levels, but like mm-hmm. that's a limitation. And if you're mm-hmm. trying to get from 47 wins to 55 wins, you know, you look at Catavius Caldwell Pope. He's mm-hmm. not an all star. He's not like a he's not an all star kind of player, mm-hmm. but he can he can shoot. He mm-hmm. can attack to the rim, and he can do things in the mid range. Like like you see him in the playoffs. There's He's we used what we were talking about earlier. You can have him on the floor in any situation, and mm-hmm. he belongs on the floor. Grimes needs to add that mid range to get to that point because everything else is there. The defense is there, mm-hmm. um, the shooting obviously is there, and he can do some things at the rim. He just needs now to add that other that other part of his game. And he needs he needs to stop deferring too. It's time for him to, to yeah, really take, to, take... To, yep. Take that, take the next step, and as I, as I'm scrolling, I don't want to say I was I wasn't paying attention. I was scrolling because I had a I had a chart of free agents up on my other computer. 
And one guy that stood out to me that could definitely help the Knicks as far as shooting goes, a couple of guys. But one guy that really stood out to me is um, Seth Curry. Mm. Seth Curry. Seth Curry. That would give you a shooter. And you know what? I mean, I think at some point the Knicks are going to have to trade one or two of these young guys to, to upgrade. Like, it's going to take one or two of the young guys plus Randall or RJ to get. Mm-hmm. So Seth Curry could really be a nice fit for you then because if he's backing up Brunson, great. Like, he's a quality backup. You can play him alongside Brunson. If you want to play Brunson off ball just to have him as a more of a scoring threat, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would allow you to consider maybe you sign and trade quickly um, because it's not it's not a year where like, like the way all the <coughs> sorry mm-hmm. the way all the collective bargaining uh, rules have changed now mm-hmm. um, it's not free agency is not where you're going to get big stars anymore all the way everything is stacked like you're not getting players really that way it's in trades so quickly plus let's say quick let's say you find out some star we never know who let's let's mm-hmm. say i don't know let's say luca doesn't like how it's looking you mm-hmm. know and luca says i want to go to the knicks mm-hmm. okay if you can you can offer randall who's from dallas mm-hmm. uh quickly mm-hmm. um you want Grimes or Mitch, like mm-hmm. you have the pieces down to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've already seen Brunson and you know and Luca can be very very nice together. So I think I, I think I think they're in a good spot. I think it's a it's a very nice position to be in where the Knicks are in right now. I think definitely you can fill up the holes with the free agents with like Jay Crowder. Or Demarcus Cousins as the bench players and stuff like that. But one more player that I that caught my eye. He also played for New York as well. Would you sign and trade IQ for Karis Levert? I need to be getting. I think IQ. <coughs> to me, I value. <coughs> mm-hmm. I value IQ more highly. I got to be getting something back to make that deal because I think uh, Levert is a better scorer mm-hmm. than quickly is um and you saw in the playoffs he can be a, a presence on the defensive end but he's not consistently um he's a whereas quickly still has not been ever as consistent of a shooter as i would like he's a little streakier mm-hmm. i think than than sometimes people you might think but he's so good defensively he's brilliant defensively um and Every single year of his career, he actually reminds me of um, there's one Nick who every single year, Magic Johnson was like this too. This is why it always stood out to me. There was one Nick who every single season for the first like, I don't know, uh, six, seven, eight years he was a Nick, mm-hmm. he would add something every year to his game. So when he was first drafted, he was a nice like a nice energy player off the bench. By the time he was signed and signed and traded away, he had become a, a two-time All-Star. Um, David Lee 
mm-hmm. was a player who David Lee came to the league as he can jump. He's got he, he has energy and athleticism, good rebounder. David Lee became a brilliant passer. David mm-hmm. Lee became a very good outside shooter. Mm-hmm. If you remember, David Lee was Golden State starting big ahead of Draymond. It was Draymond, it was David Lee getting hurt and Draymond having to step in for him. Mm-hmm. That was when Golden State realized, oh, okay, like that's the but like David Lee was no joke. Mm-hmm. And every single season, like he added, you know, he just added something. And mm-hmm. I feel like quickly does that. Every single season, like his first year, he was like a sixth man, kind of a, you know, like a, 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 a Jamal Crawford kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Year two, he didn't have it. He didn't shoot the same way. He wasn't as well. But like he, he became more of a running the, he showed a lot more as a point guard in year two. Mm-hmm. In year three, he showed incredible you know skill as a defensive player so every season he's showing you i can do this i can do this i can do this mm-hmm. i th- i think that's i think that's a nice kind of player to have around or if you want to make a big move two-thirds of the league would start quickly tomorrow mm-hmm. and he knows it so maybe maybe that'll maybe that's how the move happens Mm-hmm. Wow, Matt, this has been a great podcast. I wish I could spend more time with you on this because we have so many different moves we could talk about. The Knicks can do. We forgot to mention Miles Bridges. As a, I mean, not Miles, but Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Yeah, Miles Turner would be a perfect fit. I think that the Pacers might have locked him up at some point last year. I think they gave him an extension mm-hmm. of his yes, they gave him an extension um for a couple of years, two year extension, sixty million. So maybe they would I mean if they would trade him, I've always thought like he's perfect alongside Randall and Barrett. Like perfect. Um he gives you that same level of rim protection. <coughs> um Arguably a better defender overall. Not as good of a rebounder. Mitchell Robinson's a much better rebounder than uh, Miles Turner is. But, um, you know, he's proven he can do it from outside. And that would give their, I mean, that really could give their offense a, a really, you know, a look and a threat that they didn't present against Miami. They couldn't make that kind of a, a look mm-hmm. to the Heat. But Miles Turner would, would have opened up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is like I said. Anytime we, I got Matt on the show, we bring some beautiful insight to the podcast and knowledge to the podcast. I once got to Matt. I thank you for being on the show, my brother, um, as always. But now we have to segue now to the New York Mets situation. That is going to be another episode. Me and Matt will be on. Yeah, well, I will talk Mets with you for sure. Yes, Mets fans, tune in. I will announce it. Me and Matthew are going to talk about the Mets and the horrible start to their season. <laughs> I was praying the Knicks could get me to the East Coast Finals, so I won't have to think about it. Now I'm forced to think about it. Forced to watch it now. Two in a row. Two in a row, though. Two, Two in a row. row baby. Two in a row. Trying to ride that winning streak. Two in a row. Hopefully that it'll stay start to turn a corner. Mm-hmm. But we, I'm gonna save it for another episode because we got a lot to talk about with the with the Mets. Um building the team after the disappointing loss. 
against the loss to the Padres when they were favored to win the whole thing. So me and Matt, we're going to come back at you with another episode. If Matt's, Matt's up to it next week, we could do it again. Yeah, hit me up. We're going to do it again. All right, so Matt, any any final words before we end the podcast? Always a pleasure and a joy to be here. Um, look forward to doing it up again next time. Definitely, definitely. Everybody, check out Matt on the Joe Copen Sports Show, Matt Nick's Believe Podcast, B L E A V Podcast, and also check out the True Players Podcast. Subscribe to my channel, True Players Podcast. Is YouTube dot com at true players podcast definitely subscribe to that channel subscribe to my patreon channel subscribe to my spotify channel as well because you get to listen to it audio listen you can watch the podcast visually so we continue to bring continue to bring the insight to you guys to another episode stay tuned tomorrow we're gonna have another episode we're gonna, we're gonna a little veer off, off a little bit off the sports a little bit but we're definitely gonna be back with matthew next week for the mets Got a lot to talk about about that situation, and possibly give you some ins- some uh, review of the conference finals of both both sides of the um, globe, east and west, because it's, it's two good series: Lakers, Denver, Miami, Boston. So, it's your man Big Dom signing off on the podcast. I'll talk to you. I get talk to you guys next episode. Stay blessed. Be happy. Make give gratitude, and we are gonna get this. God bless. Peace. <laughs>